0: Welcome to Urban Bitch Tourism with Amber and Veronica, as well as our many wonderful guests. This week we will be diving into the concept of digital democracy and transformation. We are super thrilled to have our guest, NAF on with us in a digital format. We will be doing this entire podcast via a Zoom call, which is something we've learned a lot about during this pandemic. So we are very excited to touch on kind of his experience, our experience, and maybe some insights as well as predictions for what might be coming in terms of digitalization and the tourism industry in it, in terms of how accessible that is to everyone. Hopefully you
1: enjoy. Welcome back to this week's episode of Urban Bitch Tourism. I'm here, Amber, as well as Veronica. And our lovely guest.
2: Naf. (laughs) Welcome. Let's give a round of applause.
1: We are here to talk about digital democracy and transformation, which we've already been talking on our side that probably Naf is going to carry the conversation since our expertise is more in the cultural heritage application side. Um, but why don't you introduce yourself just a little bit and why you care about the digital side of tourism?
2: Ooh, oh, okay, I'll try doing this. I'm, I'm not good at this, but I'll try. Um, my name is Naf. I uh, am, a, well, we're in the same program of EMTM, Uh, which uh, explores different uh, aspects of tourism management. And I have a background in arts entertainment management. Uh, So I had a company for about nearly a decade and and before that I had a business uh, background. But through my work, I kind of drifted towards how digital technologies or in general technology could uh, help uh, various industries, particularly those uh which have a more analog way of working or manual way of working so how how we how it could benefit all the stakeholders in the process so that's how i got interested and and saw how it could empower uh, uh, people in in the process so that's that's my core area of interest and i think that it could be used as a very powerful tool and not be feared or you know embraced rather
1: Very cool. Uh, Veronica, how about we share briefly what our relationship with digital and tourism might be? Mm -hmm. I was trying to think So maybe as a demand side, so as tourists themselves, we were facing some technological solutions implemented in tourism while traveling because I wasn't involved in any projects that I would be dealing with kinds kind of source of technology, so I don't know. So NAP is going to introduce this site for us. So I can just um, say, yeah, especially during COVID times, so that while well, at the airports or at some tourist destinations see more and more uh, contactless or technological solutions implemented uh, can ingest QR codes and we can get new information so we can show our boarding classes or, or something like that. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So more on the experience right. side. <laughs> I would say for myself, I mostly just think of some of the courses we took during this program and we did tourism innovation as well as like a business mm-hmm. course and heritage tourism. I think the ones that were more interesting to me were the ones where we went on field trips somewhere just to learn about communities and maybe how they don't have uh, digital techn- technological uh, innovations for themselves. So especially since in my thesis, I'm focusing a lot on uh, urban and rural, not in the same context, but that also affected mm-hmm. because in a rural community, it's not quite as connected. Maybe not everyone even has access to Internet as easily as you do in the big city. And even in the COVID context, people didn't always have access. So that's kind of where I'm thinking, but I'm very excited to hear more. So I'm curious. uh... Matt, what are some of the digital trends that you've kind of been keeping track of recently?
2: Well, Firstly, I think you you kind of summarized two very interesting aspects. One is the very demand side aspect of things, how how usability works and uh, how it can make things easier in some ways, and uh, on and also with like stakeholders or suppliers who who could actually adopt them to kind of bring them together. So those uh, those I think are kind of the building blocks of things. And uh, COVID did shift things uh, forward. We we kind of know that uh, a lot of the uh, trends that we could uh, pick up on, we, we kind of did uh, faster. But at the same time, I think with COVID kind of coming to an end, it seems like there's a lot of things uh, which could also go back pretty much uh, in the old ways. And and that kind of is, uh, is a question that I've been looking at right now, is that whether we could embrace the good sides of uh, uh, digital or technologies, uh, into into the tourism realm or would it take us again a longer period of time because that was kind of a forced mechanism to kind of adapt to a lot of things but then again a lot of the things are are back again like okay we can do it back like in the in the old days so um one of the trends i'm uh, looking at lately is the ar vr approach to things uh and particularly i was thinking about vr and this is something we explored during our program as well uh uh, that whether this could be something which is which is not only in terms of tourism uh like the general definition but it could be used for accessibility issues so for example things like um, people who do not have the luxury to travel because of health, because of um, visa issues. So different parts of the world, uh, people are kind of spread out. But could we could reembrace embrace digital tourism? So that was that is one of the uh, one of the trends that I'm looking at. And also, then there's this other exploration of uh, proximity tourism, which uh, Amber you can mention, touched upon that you know rural tourism or proximity kind of finding things in the local vicinity that we could, we otherwise wouldn't um, because of COVID, you know, lockdowns and everything. So uh, that one of the things or challenges is that, uh, how do you find these places or, there are so many cool places around where you are right now, where I am right now. But but it's always a lot of steps to get to find that. And you two are obviously seasoned travelers by now. Uh, and and I guess that. But you have to kind of usually the process is through a lot of research and finding places to go to. And and there's so many places that could be kind of discovered um, in the vicinity. So I think I think enabling uh actions towards proximity tourism both from dmo sites and also from uh from uh, from the supplier side let's say the players were involved and also people using tools to find these places faster and kind of explore those places because there's there's an interest that it that has shifted through through COVID, but it's still um uh, that the tools haven't probably developed as much as uh, we could we the, the projects we went to were kind of guided projects in a way so locals designed it for us but finding them i think there there's still there's still some work to be done on that um yeah so kind of following companies in that space
1: it does seem like thank you for sharing <laughs> these it, <does>, yeah. <laughs> it does seem like Something that I think we could both think about too in terms of during our program we did a lot of these field trips, kind of for proximity tourism in many ways, or looking at VRAR. Do you have thoughts, Veronica, on either of those subjects in terms of projects we worked on related to that and maybe in the cultural heritage area? No, uh, I've been thinking the same about VR. How it has been catching on, but then you uh, know, like how it would work out and if it can substitute real tourism. And then we were discussing it in our uh, business uh, course, you know, the course. business management, management <laughs> probably yes, with Lonely professor. Uh, and uh, so the thing was if it can be uh, a tool for pre-arrival. So, you would prepare for the real trip, or so you would keep great memories and go back to this VR technologies after your trip, so to memorize and to remember better. So, it's interesting how it could be solved in this way. And uh, I hope, yes, with their simple tourism, we could implement it because I feel like now we have these YouTube videos, and uh, many people love. Uh, Following these travel bloggers, but it, it's not the same as really going to some place. And this VR, it, it could be actually a good ter- way to to feel as if you were that blogger, and without losing this mm-hmm. sense of, of the place. Yeah, think I'm thinking back to a couple trips we took or projects, and the first one I was thinking of with. VR is space tourism, because we did work on that and talk about accessibility, because that's a very big example where you need a huge budget in order to even get access to that type of Mm -hmm. So it is something that, again, could be used to kind of prepare younger generations to want that so that they could afford it, maybe when it's a better price for more people. But in another way, I'm thinking of the use of VR or AR within a destination because we've also been on some trips where I know when we were in Pirano we tried to use like a an app that mm. yes AR like that included um, some fun things in, in a tour around the city it wasn't quite it was still like somewhat glitchy but it was fun mm-hmm. it felt like something interesting although maybe other people seeing us walking around backwards and stuff didn't know what the heck we were doing. <laughs> Uh, so it clearly wasn't in wide use, but it does mm. make me think of uh, Pokemon Go or something like that, where mm, yeah. a lot of people to use it. So it could be something like that. And then thinking of uh, our one of our field trips in Andorra, there was a church we visited, where I guess that was the, the a- no, VR? VR? VR2. Right. Projection. Yeah, to like kind of, help you see the cultural art that was not all in one piece anymore with like a visual art display. So that was cool and it was something that mm-hmm. didn't have that in the destination. You would just mm-hmm. the wall and be like, oh that's nice, but like it looks old and cracked and broken now. So I can't really imagine what it looked like once. So that was also like a very interesting way to see mm-hmm. that use. what are your biggest uh points on how maybe the world of academia versus the industry look at digital uh using digital tools or transforming things
2: yeah that's that's very interesting because uh particularly with digital i think the the move is uh, it it follows certain like then it, this exponential growth uh where technology kind of doubles every two years the capacity doubles every two years but now we're kind of reaching kind of this threshold but then there's um quantum computing coming in and then people are trying liquid computing these are like absolutely strange kind of ideas that are coming in like looking from the outside and then there's like nano computers which are like really almost atomic size computers which could actually make processes, so all these kinds of technologies are moving at such scale and at the same time academia in some cases could take a bit longer time. Uh, so so one of the challenges I feel is that um, they, they, they do not get to speak in the same uh, time frame in a way by the time some technology is adopted and even gone uh, out of kind of let's say fashion there's the, the papers are coming out a bit later because it takes a bit of time to kind of consolidate that. So, uh, but, but there's so much of, uh, they're, they're still working on the same ideas for projects. So I, I wish there was a, a or if, if both ends tried to meet uh, because startups could use uh, uh, a lot of these information that's that's been being collected, all of this research and implement them uh, but a lot of the times it's it's just so complicated with academia uh, that that there's, you know, there's this gap. So I feel that they could both come closer and, I, and, and some of the things are happening. I would say, uh, for example, U- University of Girona's uh, approach to treating our semester as a lab uh, and kind of going out in the field. So that's a step forward that it's a bit more practical in terms of learning uh so 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 there there could be a bit more and universities i i see at least in copenhagen they all these universities now have like this entrepreneur uh and incubators and you know tech hubs so that so that you know if you have some idea you want to build on so that's there uh, so it's it's kind of getting there but it's a bit it, it could speed up in, in a way uh and and also also i guess maybe shorter papers i think that could that could help um <laughs> for everyone in terms of both writing and in terms of i mean the research value is there it's just uh, kind of uh, in a way that is more digestible and perhaps I don't know if you know this, like there was this one group, uh, one person who actually turned their podcast into a thesis, so something you could actually do yourselves um, because you, you're generating so much value with already these uh, number of episodes So uh, and something that's also digestible and you could turn ec- uh, points from here and turn them into uh, a thesis because it's pretty much a research or discussions that, that, that bring out value. So so different formats could also be also be uh, an experimental space. Uh, They do this in arts and media, but perhaps in tourism, which is so hands on in so many ways. This could also be that uh, if we're working somewhere, we could turn that into our learning and maybe take it forward so that other people could take from there. And yeah, so. Yeah, I guess those are the points. <laughs>
1: that's that's actually a great way of thinking, just in terms of how you can turn that learning into a project that is maybe more easily accessible for people. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, just in terms of thinking of how did we talk about digital digital transformation in like an academic way, for instance, in our classes versus what we've experienced while we've been traveling? Actually, I've been thinking about educational tours because we are (laughs) the part of it right now and how COVID affected us and how we experienced it from the very beginning. So Mm -hmm. there are so many perks of this program, but in the end, we realize that we don't have to travel right now to some destination so as to get that information, so as to study at that particular university and interact with those professors, we could just be at our places at home and study online and you know video conferences tools, so I don't know if we, how it will impact us so, in such programs as this one because it's, uh, it's a great experience in the end just to to see it with your own eyes, but then it makes it accessible to so many students that can't afford to travel to or high tuition fee, which is great because to cover these travel expenses or the expenses of the
2: professors um,
1: so in this way I'm thinking about this technological intervention which positive and negative oh, I think in that in that vein thinking about how we've sort of grown up and also been in education spheres where you have all of this access to information, Mm -hmm. a lot of these tools that are coming faster and faster are something that we have access to. But in many cases, we don't even fully understand how to use them to their best capacity. And I think definitely generationally, you see that too. Maybe people who are older who run into it either don't use it or once they do, they don't know exactly how. But even younger generations sometimes especially when it comes to learning or tools that can help you like you were saying before find stuff about opportunities that are not accessible so it's very easy to search like what's the best place to go in spain for instance and you'll get a list Mm -hmm. you'll get like 20 lists right away that have the same places on them yeah in other ways you could actually find things and i think we For instance, living here in Andalusia, you had a little bit of previous knowledge compared to me, but a lot of what you hear, like it's word of mouth in many ways, and sometimes it's Mm -hmm. of mouth because you end up finding like, oh, immediately when we got here, even before, Rhonda kept coming up, but if I hadn't have been in this region, I would have had no idea where that place is. So there's something that comes into play too, where How can we capitalize on the fact that digital tools can be used like that to connect with so many people and hear their experiences Mm -hmm. in a better way? I'm just curious if you have thoughts on that, Matt.
2: tools can be so so widespread in terms of digital tools it could just be something which you just uh, you find places in much easier ways rather than doing like three websites and you know top 20 places to go and like having like each of them are more like personal views so then you have to kind of assess and judge so it could be something very simple that's a kind of a trustworthy thing that app that could help you find based on your interests and, and so on. Uh, but it could also be something very much more detailed. For example, with AR technology, that's another space I was kind of interested in. For example, the museum example you gave, like you kind of go there, you wear a headset and then it's everything. But with glasses and, you know, that that's probably going to be the next step where, where you could actually dissect once you're in the space where you could actually tour a place based on the glasses kind of a terminator vibe hopefully positive uh but but yeah it, you kind of get all of those uh uh yeah like information or you know things you can see and and it could also be a viable business model both ways uh, in a sense that uh you there could be content creators who could also kind of create a layer between between the place and and the, the person perceiving it so this layer could also allow more content creators to come in and and help experience places in different ways so you could also kind of choose choose those areas so again like different ranges of things that can be kind of uh undertaken over you know th- through this r- range of things but uh, I don't know if that answered the question or I deviated completely <laughs> I think I deviated a bit at least
1: no, that's great! <laughs> I guess there's not really any deviation, just kind of us figuring out what ideas we want to, to add there. That actually does make me think a little bit about who the stakeholders are in terms of like who we need to get involved in terms of creating this. Mm. Something like what you suggested sounds like you might have individual you know, specialists or like people who want to create something. Yeah, maybe in a museum context, they want to tell a story. So they add their piece into the into the whole experience. But what are what are some issues that you find or like, yeah, who are the main stakeholders, do you think in terms of trying to focus on digital transformation? We have some players that we really need to get involved.
2: Yeah. I think it it could be a long list, but um, because of such a wide uh, topic. But if uh, if if we take uh, well, let's say this the the creator side or the uh, supplier side, so to speak, or destinations themselves. Okay, let's. I think that's a good focal point, like uh, using destinations themselves. Um, We went to a a lot of these during, I think one of our courses, uh, heritage management, I think we went around to different spots. Each group went to different places. And uh, our example was, it it was a bit remote, kind of getting the very back to nature kind of uh, um, feel of it. And one number that really got me, you know, kind of baffled is that they kind of generate it's it's a it's a region i think around two hours away from barcelona um give or take and that region it's called looseness and they're they the 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 county i think it's divided in two but that part alone generated about seven million euros last year and i'm like and that's from tourism like tourism or tourism related activities so that just got got me into thinking like this is a place which only locals would know and not not people around and a lot of people who don't speak catalan uh, or you know castellano they wouldn't even be able to access these places but it's such a it was such a nice place um and 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 it had so many offerings and not just only for uh for for locals or you know uh, people from the region but also for people from the outside but then again there's lots of those language accessibility issues let's say so so then it kind of closes that but well that could be great if if uh, the region or or the dmo kind of undertook uh, initiatives where they could actually use technology to kind of reduce that hindrance so so kind of a language translating app where you could have qr codes in different uh, at different points, and you kind of uh, get a get a sense of things. So that's like a low tech kind of a solution. But one of the challenges is that, that these kind of DMOs do not have enough of the, enough funding actually, and they're they're usually one person, two people, team kind of handling all of that. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. So in that in that particular case, and and the stakeholders they're working with, let's say some certain um, archaeological sites or uh, museums they're also kind of uh, not in that that, uh, uh, zone where they could actually um, uh, accommodate more. So everyone is kind of in that challenge uh, of, you know, being like, okay, uh, how can we attract more? So I think even though they want to, they're out of capacity and let's say like not having the tools and knowledge on how to take it, take it forward um, or, you know, get digitized. And a different example would be the museums, which uh, they have certain reservations in terms of uh, transformation. I was talking to a museum in the UK about NFTs and they're like, no, like, no, 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 no. So I understand that there's also that interesting aspect that that they could, but they there's also this cultural uh, integrity that they want to uh, kind of uphold. And then it becomes like, okay. How do we? But then again, a lot of they are also in the thought process. Why are why aren't young people coming to museums? Why? So there is always that debate. That um, yeah. So so I I would say that the challenges for different stakeholders are different. But but this it, there's the sense of fear with uh, digital transformation also. So making it more digestible for for every stakeholder, I think, is is very important. Which I think. When we talk about digital transformation, we're like, "Oh, this is gonna change the world," but it can also be overwhelming for people who have different ways of operating, and and I think that needs to be really accounted for and kind of slowly addressed. That that way, this would be faster. We have anything yes. to say about NFTs?
1: <laughs> no, but it's interesting that you mentioned it because I came across that uh, I think in Barcelona, Casa Batlló, they were doing some research. <clears throat> project they had NFT for like for the facility building mm-hmm. I was so shocked thinking like okay so what is the point of it of purchase like buying it and having it in virtual form. then would it endanger tourism as it is Or how would it affect the authenticity that we cherish mm-hmm. so, much? so there are so many questions and as you said there's this fear of digitalization how we are going to see this world soon in some years and also another interesting point that you mentioned there are some destinations that they uh, maybe don't want this digital intervention and they don't implement anything that maybe they don't need so many tourists that's why they don't do it yes because of yeah. funny of course but they're just not ready to uh, to receive this uh, great number of people coming here and uh, so that's yeah they just don't do it in terms mm-hmm. of as, well as people from yep. company. I'm also yep. thinking in general about like city infrastructure in many cases when it comes to just being digitally accessible like I'm thinking of transportation as well as even <laughs> just facilities of private businesses like restaurants etc like there's in some cases I think within the past you know 20 years it's like it's you start to get more and more used to having these things available. Like I expect or want a USB charger anywhere I go. Mm -hmm. In many cases, you don't have that. (laughs) And in a lot of cases within city and intercity travel transportation, if you're on an old train or an old bus, good luck, like that's not there. And there's even more like when I was, I was just on a bus yesterday. I was just on a bus yesterday. And I'm like, oh my god, a USB charge, amazing! And I plugged it in, and <laughs> back, it doesn't work. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when you have like infrastructure, most of yes, it's it can yeah. be so so challenging. Kind of also what you said, Veronica, about maybe a destination not wanting more tourists. I'm also thinking mm-hmm. of the Barcelona bus system and how, like, in some cases, the the tools are there, but they're so difficult to navigate living there as a normal person, even if you are, it can be challenging, but just like trying to get into these systems that are supposed to be making our lives easier. So I guess there's a lot, there's a lot to like dissect and there are a lot of uh, stakeholders as well. But funding, as you mentioned, is a big issue. I did notice that there's more and more funding coming within the EU context. And I know when we were doing some research uh, last year. I came across uh, kind of like COVID recovery funds for the EU, which also include digitalization as a part of that. So at least there are some initiatives, but it does feel like it's going to take a long time for everything to be implemented. What digital transformation means to you? so if you could give us a few notes on that, because in, in many ways, again, like the digitalization isn't always accessible to everybody.
2: Yeah, I, I think the main challenge with digital transformation, uh, the first point is like, we transform it from what to what? Um, so, so this almost feels like a journey and, and it, it's always that certain destinations are so far ahead. If you go to Seoul in uh, South Korea, that will be one yeah. level off. you know, digital, like everything is there. If you go to China, they have their own system. Everything is over WeChat. Sure, it's a closed system, but everything works over WeChat. You could you could pay anyone, everyone do anything and 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 you won't. Suffer and, you, and this is across China, I, I haven't been, but from every single experience and every single reading I, I come across, it feels that, that it's, you know, it's almost, uh, it's super smooth across the value system or value chain. Whereas if, you, if you're if you in Barcelona, a lot of things or, you know, bigger cities in Spain, that would operate, okay, fantastic. Everything is, you know, very super digital, but, but the moment you're two hours away in, in a smaller city, suddenly everything becomes you know very cash driven uh, or or they have their local system which is not integrated with another system and i think that is one of the biggest challenges particularly with mobility uh, kind of activities like there's no single bus card, for example that could work all over spain which would which would properly mean that you know each of these states could you know operate you know with a, one single you you or there's already one single currency it's just the process of you know just having a system which operates for well for everyone but but you if you go to madrid then you have to have buy their card for one and a half euros or something and then you have to preserve that card whereas in barcelona it could be it's a completely different system and 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 this could easily be resolved in some ways because people are traveling between these kind of places but it's always also kept based on i think uh, the locals so if you're living in madrid then it makes sense that you know you buy that car you have everything we're all settled right now in, in one city or the other we know everything that's you know that works for each other but but the moment i'm traveling to sevilla that would be a completely different story so so as a tourist, it's never easy in, in that way and, and each of these systems are very different and then there's region countries and you know different systems they're not integrated. Uh, so I guess the, the the bigger challenge for me or like transformation in my in my head would be that at least there's a minimum of you know the way payment is right now. If this was for every other industry, that where you know you could technically, apart from a few few places, it mostly I think you could now pay by card, which 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 was propagated by COVID, but still, it it became that that shift of contactless pay, almost everywhere you could you could use that, uh, and I think that's something. If that could be ach- achieved in other ways, that you know there were some central systems which could. Work for, work as platforms for everything else, and and that's a very very big ask actually. Um, and the other aspect of this is that a lot of people, uh, at least working in the tourism sector, are away from the uh, we're in the last minute. Okay, uh, are away from the um, tourism setting. So uh, what what happens is that uh, it they they could be included in a financial system also because a lot of these operations are cash based informal unstructured so if we could actually transform uh, or provide us provide platforms where they could know their bookings know their systems in a much more um, much more organized way they could they could plan things accordingly and and they could have a better way of uh, organizing their systems rather than you know cash based and you know kind of you know the the previous way the the way we did it all along so i guess that's one of the yeah bigger way to look at it or simpler way to look at it rather
1: get toward uh, our last couple of questions that we're, we're really we were just saying we we love hearing your views on these different things. And you're very good at breaking things down for better understanding. Uh, so we love that. Um, but we're curious if uh, maybe what are some of your recent projects in this field or and kind of like what your what are their strengths or weaknesses that they could be uh, brought bringing into this this industry of digital and tourism transformation, really?
2: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Well, I'm. I'm currently looking at possibilities in terms of startups, which could, which are working in the tourism sector, and uh, well, it's uh, well, one of them would probably be in the fields of um, finding these destinations, and and in some ways, it it would help kind of balance out a lot of this over tourism that we see in certain destinations super concentrated whereas other destinations could benefit from the spillover but they but they can't because those destinations aren't discovered well or are, are not on the map so to speak so that would be one of my um one of my aspects that i would i would like to bring uh into like how how could how could we balance that and, and and the things the tools that are needed to get there so for example to discover a place like lusannes what are the steps that we require from uh from the point of view of working with a stakeholder like the DM over there all the stakeholders who are present there um and and you, it, it soon becomes a complicated task because it's uh, there's aspects of language there's aspects of policies uh, uh, there's there's financial uh factors um each of them have their different styles of operating even within spain and if you think of catalonia versus andalusia these will be two different countries <laughs> technically speaking uh, okay so that then that they have different um different ways of operating so i guess from the from the top view it would be like okay just kind of bringing everyone educating uh that would be one of the bigger steps but at the same time finding uh, partners who are interested in this uh to have their destination be more uh present that's also an important point i think where uh, uh, you kind of brought that point that you know many destinations don't want more more people than that and and that is also a fair point because it kind of can keep growing, and to a point where it spirals out of control, and that happened with many destinations where it's just impossible to revert back. Venice being a good example. So, so that's but that's that's probably something to account for at from the get-go how to kind of limit uh, um, those destinations. So, one of the aspects is definitely visibility that I'm uh, interested in working in, particularly with proximity tourism. Um, there there there's many reasons that that could work in terms of uh, let's say weekend getaways longer week let's say four day work week so that could be one one reason people would have more time so there's many other aspects for which people could actually um you know vouch for vouch for local tourism so that is uh probably one of the more uh prominent focal areas but the other one i'm i'm very curious about is the access through VR, which I also kind of mentioned before. Uh, and and I think that that would eventually... I, I've been talking with a, a company here, but the problem is that they see it as solely a marketing tool and not beyond that. So all this 360 and VR for destinations is still just a marketing tool. Despite COVID, it's not beyond that. They don't see that as tourism and... Uh, Hard to hard to say what will happen in the next couple of years, but the way metaverse is progressing, there's a there's gonna be other worlds. There could be virtual worlds which do not exist in this world, and those could be part of tourism. NFTs of Eiffel Tower could be, I don't know, I don't know, or like or like completely new uh, structures. Completely not the Eiffel, not not the Opera House in Sydney. Just random structures those could be nfts so oh there's so many directions this could go in but yeah i guess I, I keep myself within these two domains for now um and that's why i've been talking a bit about these uh yeah um and then there's blockchain to to also explore the other i i would say probably my third interest point is how using blockchain to kind of create these decentralized autonomous um, organizations or like communities so it's almost like back to what was that called? Like the previous pre-Airbnb thing, the couch surfing. Um, well, it's
1: like, yeah. literally the same
2: concept. Not, not just... True. True. Uh, but but in a in sense, like it was more community driven. Uh Airbnb is more commercial. Uh yeah, but yeah, sure. like a P2P marketplace. But uh, that was more like a, a, a community thing. But that could that kind of a concept could also come back in a sense that say all digital nomads kind of have a, a, a way of kind of the, a community that is built on a blockchain and you kind of have your own currency to to work with you give each other points if you're a good host you're if you're a good guest or a bad guest you know you based on those things and then you can create an economy out of it and also like a community so that could be also another uh, interesting aspect and and all these can be created with such low technology at this point um, that's that's the most exciting part. Like you don't need to be a coder programmer to actually start building this. You just need to build a community and and market it right, and then it could it could build up from there. So, yeah, I guess three different kind of aspects, but related to tourism, yeah, those would be the ones that I'm interested in to look at.
1: Awesome. That's cool to hear about. Just to close up, I'm kind of going to ask us and then you (laughs) as the final, but I'm curious if there's anything that you would really like to see in terms of digital transformation in the next five years. So it doesn't have to be super grounded in whether it's going to happen or not, but something that you would like to see more development on. Well, it's it's hard to say because yeah, sometimes I think about NFT, blockchain, all this uh, uh, digital uh, invention and it makes me scared. What, what does it bring to us, actually? And that isn't it just a big scam? <laughs> so who knows? I mean, um, but then when we are talking about um, this, we mostly see from the perspective of, uh, let's say, the global north and the, the developed countries Talking about currency, all the applications, uh, digital solutions. So uh, I would love to see how those developing countries would uh, deal with that. Yeah, they they don't have that much funding to to implement that. Even if they have already already like made solutions prepared for that for them and because it would actually solve also their issue of over-tourism if you if you want to develop those destinations that that are not well promoted or just not um, ready to accept tourists right now. So I think this would be an interesting thing to deal with is uh, mostly to bring digital Uh, intervention, let's say, to those countries and help them to uh, implement them but also in the way that it would um, target all different kinds of tourists also having accessibility issues. Because when we talk about that, we just uh, don't think somebody don't know how to deal with smartphones or they don't don't have any devices, so they cannot pay with their cards or something like that. We don't think about this, just assuming that, oh, it's uh, widely accepted. So I think we have to go go that way a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that is a good point. I think digital literacy is something that's in many cases, when you grow up with it, you just learn it automatically. But many people need more support for it and ongoing. I need ongoing support, too, Mm -hmm. because it's changing so fast. Um, one of the things that I would really like to see that I have seen kind of as a theme in a lot of my research during this program is just there's there's a Barcelona declaration that was made a few years back from kind of community driven about how to make a, a destination specifically Barcelona but in general better better living for the locals and better for the tourists. So kind of looking at both sides and I think A lot of the articles I've read that I I find quite fascinating are more about like city planning and how the city infrastructure works, because the concept is tourists go somewhere. I mean, it's less so in less like in rural towns, it's a bit harder because there's not as much Mm -hmm. uh, maybe transportation infrastructure or other things, but in general, it's like cities are there functioning for the people who live there and so as a tourist you go and you just use the normal services in many cases that exist for the locals and if we want to look at both creating better communities for people and for tourists that's important because in many cases destinations um the local populations can get really upset because they see oh my city government's actually if it is over tourism they're focusing more on creating innovation but just for tourists not for us Um, or maybe not doing anything at all in other cases. So I think looking at how a city can kind of engage their community stakeholders, but also keep in mind that tourists are gonna use this as well to make it more accessible. um, I think that's something I wanna see further developed. And I, I kind of get the impression that that'll happen more easily when certain cities take the lead as a model, maybe get some, funding or appreciation for it or acknowledgement for it and so then other cities kind of want to follow suit um, but I do agree in many cases that rural or smaller towns or smaller cities are going to need a lot more help because they don't have the resources to do that so quickly mm-hmm. and what about yeah, you absolutely.
2: <laughs> no absolutely I, I think uh, starting with the point uh, of digital literacy I think it's changing so much and so fast. And and the fact that we always, we do not account for all the population who are, who are used to this. So that's, that's one of the bigger challenges. And I think not just in tourism, I think in general, uh, the, the digital transformation in general for any sector, I think is a, is a crucial one. Uh, the beauty of tourism though, is that it's still so heavily reliant on other people's experiences. Like you would you would count on others experiences, perhaps more than what the algorithm suggests. And I think it's just that innate sense of how tourism works. Um, but again, this 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 is a hard say that it's going to be like this. There could be algorithms which speak to our hearts so well that, you know, uh, we, we would be biased to 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 take certain Certain visits, and and then qu- comes the question of ethical AI and those kind of areas, which which uh, which would be so important in the next couple of years because it could either lead you to a good place or or mislead you in many. Oh my God, are you there? Yeah. Sorry. Are um, you there? Yeah, yeah, I am, but I just uh, I just had like this random call coming, and yeah. Okay. okay. Um, Digital sorry. intervention. Uh, Digital interventions—that's also there and
1: disruptive one. Oh yeah, <laughs>
2: disruptive. Yeah, disruptions. Um, but uh, yeah, I lost the trail of thought. But uh, the, the idea that if there's a ethical AI or those kind of aspects put into place, that's that's going to be better for destinations in general. And and I guess the challenge is that it's 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 almost like these aspects will start to come in whether many a times it's not like it's something we would want but but it's also seeping in because it's such a good business case and economic case that you know someone will figure oh wait TripAdvisor could be this is this, this and then it becomes like it comes into our world and and it's kind of uh, good to have some knowledge on it so that you know we're prepared that we don't get uh, we don't get uh, Let's say abused by it, or 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 like you know the system doesn't take advantage of it, uh, of us rather. Uh, and I guess th- this would be one of the bigger challenges that I, I think uh, to face uh, this digital literacy uh, space. But at the same time, there's uh, there's aspects such as um, AR would probably be one of the leading uh, areas. And again. Uh, there's also that digital literacy part there, but then again, AR could be could be such an important accessibility tool and and much more user friendly in many ways. So um, I, I, I hope that 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 is developed in a way which is more useful and and something that could work in the tourism space because it's such a physical uh, uh, product or experience that that you could you could literally turn that turn it into into good for anything but, but then again we don't know how it will be developed it's still in in the early phases so i'm guessing in the five to ten year window AR would be one of the leading um spaces from what it what it seems like uh, tools and yeah uh that's that's just uh that's just my thought i'm not sure, so sure about VR or how it will be VR's look of it is very it could be scary it could be intimidating so Um, My bet is on AR uh, and hopefully good AR, AR for good. So, Air for yeah.
1: good. <laughs> that sounds like our slogan for, <laughs> for the, the next year's. Air for good. <laughs> well, thank Hopefully, you yeah. so much for joining us. This is a great conversation and we don't yes. want to make you late to your, uh, so your next amazing. meeting. <laughs> <Science>. <laughs> yes, and thank yeah. you for being our first digital interview. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that's yes. true. But I missed out on the sangrias and uh, the tapas. so. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been kind of kind of more, you know, more engaging, I mean, but you I can don't...
1: purchase that NFT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Urban Bitch Tourism. Stay tuned for our next episodes with many amazing guests, and please check us out on our social media page for Instagram at UrbanBitchTourism for regular updates.